So 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2 and verse 19. I'm going to open up there as well. You know, if the preacher was coordinated, he would have put a bookmark in his Bible there before. <laughs> okay. So uh, just to kind of recap um, what Luke went over last week, we were talking again um, about the false teachers and the warning of false teachers and talking about their, um, their message spreading like cancer, which is something that um, the church should avoid. And uh, so there was a strong warning there. And uh, we're going right, right off of that in verse 19. Paul continues by saying, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter... He will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So that's our, our passage for today. As you, as you may have gathered, um, there's both a uh, warning and a condemnation and an encouragement and we find it all in our next analog, our, uh, illustration in this chapter, the illustration of the vessel. And if you remember back uh, several weeks ago, we started off the chapter um, with the illustration of sun, and we went through the soldier and the athlete and the, uh, the farmer. You remember all these illustrations? So now we're on to the next one, the illustration of the vessel. And this illustration is specifically for um, the believers, it says um, the vessels are in a great house. That house, of course, is the house of God, uh, the church. So this message is to believers. And furthermore, we know that this message is to believers because in verse 19, it says, the Lord knows those who are His. So we're specifically talking about those the Lord knows who, who are His. So we don't have to worry about knowing or not knowing who's a believer or not, the Lord knows. And this is a challenge to those who are the Lord's. And there's a, there's a challenge at the end of the verse, of course. It says, everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And we're going to, so that's our kind of, um, our header, you know, depart from iniquity if you name uh, the name of the Lord. And here's the illustration that he uses uh, to illustrate his point. He says, In every great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. So uh, imagine, if you, if you will, uh, going into Buckingham Palace, the uh, centuries-old uh, house where the kings and queens of England have lived in all their majesty and wealth for generations, right? There's a long history of being the top, uh, the top, the best that England has to offer in this house. And so if you walk in there, and uh, maybe some butler or someone else uh, says, please come over here and, and sit down at the table. And so you sit in this 
huge banquet hall with gold leaf on all the uh, panels and, and trim around the room and these huge majestic chandeliers. And uh, butler comes to your so- over your shoulder and says, uh, ma'am or sir, you know, what would you like to drink? And uh, you say, well, uh, whatever the house decides is best for me to have, that's what I like to have. You know, surprise me, something good. Because you know there's nothing bad there. And so the uh, butler goes over to the table and uh, he picks up a, a bottle of some expensive, I don't know, wine or some expensive drink and he pours it into a plastic cup and he comes and brings it to you. You'd be, ah, <laughs> what is this? No, you wouldn't expect that. In the, in the great house, there's great, uh, great serving there's, a, there's probably a fine goblet and a, a great a China plate that's, I don't know, a uh, priceless antiquity from China that you're getting served your meal on, right? And you, you almost hesitate to use your knife because you don't want to mark the plate, you know? It's, it's that idea, saying, look, in a, in a great house, there's the vessels there for honor, but then, of course, there's also the common everyday items that are used for dishonorable things. I will guarantee you, even Buckingham Palace has a dustpan, right? It's probably made out of tin or plastic, just like the dustpan you might have in your house, right? And that's because it's not, it's not a serving dish. It's not used for honor. It's used for cleaning up the dirt and, and, and a, a dishonor, right? You don't, you're not going to serve someone their lunch meal on a, on a dustpan, right? You, you serve that on the china. And the Lord says, his house, to some extent, is like that, right? There's people in the church that are implements that the Lord wants to use, enjoys using, sets them out, sets them up as pieces of honor in the house. But there's also uh, dishonorable things in the house. And it's not um, I want to be careful here because I don't want to say that someone who goes around the church sweeping up the dirt is a dishonorable Christian. That's not the, that's not the illustration I'm making here. Right? It has to do with the Christian as a vessel themselves. Right? The master can put whatever vessel he wants to whatever use he wants to use for it. Right? That's his choice. The, the challenge in this passage is to... A, a Christian, what sort of vessel are you? What are you made out of? Are you an honorable piece that can be presented well? Or are you uh, just a clay pot over in the corner that, that you know, may hold something else of more value than, than the thing itself? Um, before I get too far down the, the road of vessels, though, there's kind of a thought I want you to hold, hold in your mind for later, is that um, this word that he is used here in the passage for, uh, for vessels, it can be, it can be uh, a word that means a container that holds something, um, but it can also be translated as, uh, uh, as goods or, or um, implements, right? Something that's useful. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, what you'd consider a serving uh, thing, but uh, the same, the same uh, word is used in Mark chapter 3 when Jesus tells the p- parable of the strong man uh, who's guarding his house. And it says, no one can go and steal the man's goods unless he first subdues the strong man. And the word uh, goods that would be stolen from that strong man is the same word that we have here for vessels. 
So um, there's, more, there's more to this word, and I'll get into that a, a little bit later. Um, but it has, in our, back to our um, use of vessels here, right? It has, the challenge is to be a vessel that has great perceived value, right? That, that gold, it says here, uh, gold or silver, right? If, you, if I invited you into my house and I served you something in a golden goblet, you'd think, wow, Sam really, must really think a lot of me that he's serving, <laughs> it's probably going to be water or apple juice, <laughs> in this golden goblet, right? He, he's trying to honor me by serving this. And Lord's saying, look, God has all sorts of plans, all sorts of demonstrations he wants to make of his love towards the world. And he'd really like to be able to demonstrate his care and love in a fancy, honorable vessel. This is how I want to demonstrate myself to the world. I want to be able to use the best implements that I have available. Um, and so we as believers are the ornaments and the servingware and the implements that are in the house of God. And there's a difference between those vessels of honor but also the ones that are made out of wood and clay, as it says here in the verse, um, for dishonor. And it says in verse 21, it says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor. So it implies there in that verse that we have a choice. We can be cleansed from the dishonorable things so that we can be a vessel of honor. And the delineation between the two is something that we uh, Christians might call something that's called personal holiness, right? That is our personal, everyday stance against sin in our own lives and our following after God and following His will that He's laid out for us in the Bible as far as our character and what we should be about and what we should be doing. Okay, so there's, there's two... Uh, two choices. You can be someone who says, look, I acknowledge that there's sin in my life and I, and I stand against it and I do my best, as Paul says, to beat my body into submission and to take every thought captive and to set myself up as someone who has an exemplary character, who is someone, when you look at that person, you say, I see a picture of the Lord Jesus in that person because they're demonstrating such exemplary character and they're quick when they make a mistake to nip sin in the bud and not allow that to continue. They're quick to ask forgiveness. They're quick when their anger starts to fly, flare up. They're quick to smash it down and say, no, I will, I will not sin. I will not allow, give room for the flesh. I will not give... Uh, room for lust. So the Lord says, uh, if you cleanse yourself from the latter, you will be a vessel for honor. And why? Why should we do these things? Is it, uh, is it because I want to be uh, an, a gold emblem in God's house? Well, he's, Paul says in this verse, he says, these vessels of honor are sanctified and useful for the master. See, in the end, it's not about the vessel itself. 
It's about the master and his use that he wants to put that vessel to, right? And so, lest we want to be, think, oh, this is about some sort of status I can get for myself in the church and, and bolster yourself up by pride, that's not what we're talking about. The whole point that, what, of what Paul's saying to Timothy and what I'm saying, what, we're, what the Lord's saying now to the church is that if you're not useful to God, you're a, you're a vessel of dishonor. And Timothy, of course, Paul's been talking to Timothy for uh, a book and a half now about pursuing the things of God and resisting false teachers and teaching up um, others to follow in doctrine and other men to become teachers and leaders in the church, right? There's a calling to Timothy to be a useful vessel, an honorable vessel for the master's work. So it's, it's very personal to Timothy that Paul would say, look, the Lord wants you as an honorable vessel. It's, it's specific. So Paul says, be someone who the master has set aside for his honorable uses, for those significant moments, right? You, you sell... When, uh, <laughs> the illustration there might be... Um, you know, for, for a wedding, you might set out better plateware than you set out for a, a normal everyday lunch, right? If the Lord has some specific goal in mind, you want him to go for his, his best stuff, right? Pick me, pick me. I want to be the one that the Lord uses when he has something significant to accomplish for those uh, important moments. Um, but there's an opposite to all of this. There's an opposite to those, those vessels of honor. And that is, as we've mentioned already, those vessels of wood and clay, um, which are marked for dishonor. Um, the word here for dishonor really means considered worthless. We don't want to be Christians who are considered worthless for the work of the Lord. And... Uh, if you remember back in 1 Timothy when it talked about um, the elders, right? They had to be men of good repute, right? If you're taking a stand for the name of the Lord, you don't want someone who has obvious and glaring flaws in the way that they treat other people and their um, angry nature. Maybe they're given to, to drunkenness or some other sin like that. That's not who... You want up at the front of a church taking a stand for the Lord? It brings dishonor. Their, their, their message, even though they might be carrying something good, it's rendered worthless by their own personal testimony. And this worthless nature to the, to the shame of the church is, is common, right? It's, it's the common everyday uh, things that are the they're worthless and so the Lord's saying look don't be one of the common everyday uh, people that call themselves a Christian right if I want to find someone who calls themselves a Christian I can almost ask about every other person in the street probably calls themselves a Christian or a, uh, you know reads their Bible every once in a while or goes to church every once in a while right but there's no evidence in their lives 
that they're actually trying to be a vessel of honor. And it's shameful for someone to to be on the street trying to call themselves a Christian with no uh, demonstration of God's love. But if if you're part of a church and you're saying, look, I'm calling on the name of Christ. I say He's the one that I believe in. I'm taking a stand for Him. But you don't uh, take any, (laughs) any effort to flee youthful lusts as it talk about in the, new, in the next verse, or to pursue righteousness, right? It's bringing shame upon the name of the Lord. And the trap, of course, with sin is it's easy. It's so easy to do, and we do it all the time. And sin is deceptive. See, every sin that we commit, we're choosing to believe some sort of lie rather than the truth. And it started with the very first one, Right, Eve looked at the fruit and says that she saw that it was good for food. Right, She believed that to eat that fruit was better than to not eat it. Simple as that. She, and she believed the words that the devil said to her when he told her, if you eat it, you'll be like God. Right? She believed a lie. And every sin that's followed after that is because to one extent or another, the person who has sinned has, has acted on a lie. I believe that it would be better to say this hurtful thing than to not to because it makes me feel good or, or something, right? I believe that it would be better to ignore this person than to help them. You know, at the base of everything, to some extent or the other, you're saying, I would rather believe this than believe that the right thing to do uh, is the thing I should do and, to, and act on it and do it. And sin, of course, by its very nature is deceptive, and our own hearts, of course, are deceptive. Um, the Lord says the, um, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And um, I, I can bear <laughs> personal witness, and I'm sure uh, anyone here could... Uh, bear witness to the deceptive nature of sin. It's so easy to believe something that's not true. And for the, a lot of sins, of course, are, we like to pretend are personal and only affect ourselves and don't really have um, uh, a real impact beyond us. And, uh, you know, you can sort of cut them off. But I remember... Um, uh, I'm going to tell you guys something about myself. Um, I say it to my own shame, but I want, to, I want to be transparent because I want you to be warned about how deceitful sin really is. Um, there was a, a, a small slight that I took offense to that I kind of dwelt on for a while, and it, it, it festered in my heart. And I thought, oh, I'm right. I, I've been slighted here. And... Um, one thought led to another as that trail of deception in my own heart grew and grew. And it ended up, um, I essentially, because of that sin festering in my heart for some time, I essentially told uh, a family that I very dearly love that the reason that they had just lost a loved one is because they didn't pray enough. And I wish, <laughs> I wish often that I had not said that. 
That was arrogant. I was deluded in my own mind. And uh, it was very quickly pointed out by the shock on their faces. And I had to, uh, to my shame, apologize profusely for saying that and being led away by my own bitterness. But if I had not entertained that first thought of that perceived slight, I would not have been led away. And I had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity where I knew that I was angry about something that I shouldn't have been angry about. But I, I never took that opportunity. And when I said that to that family, I was a vessel of dishonor. That, was, that action was absolutely worthless. In fact, it was beyond worthless. It was destructive. And so I say that as a warning. And there's, I've made plenty of other mistakes. Please don't think that's the only mistake I've ever made. But be warned about sin. Even the small ones. Because they can grow and become destructive. Don't be a vessel of dishonor. Don't make those choices that cause shame to the house of God. Uh, In that incident, uh, I was shown a lot of mercy where there could have rightly have been a lot of anger. Um, And I'm very grateful for that. And it it reminded me uh, by the, the, the gracious extension of almost immediate forgiveness, um, I was reminded of the Lord and of His nature of forgiveness. And those folks were vessels of honor, where they had every right to be wrong, to, to be wronged and to be angry and to, um, <laughs> and to shame me for what I had done. Um, but they really showed themselves to be vessels of honor. And I'm grateful for it. And I'll always, I think I'll always remember it um, as a testimony to the deceitfulness of the human heart, as a testimony to the deceitfulness of sin, and uh, of, <laughs> of the good uh, that, that forgiveness is, and how much more our Lord forgives us than anything that we can extend towards one another. Right? And God talks about that in Matthew where he says, um, if, if your son comes to you and asks for a fish, are you going to give him a serpent? No, of course not. Right? And he says, even you uh, who are evil, the people <laughs> that were standing there listening, even you who are evil know how to good give thing, good things. So the Father knows how to give good things to those who ask of him. And so, seek after being an honorable vessel. Don't fall into the trap of sin. Because sin's so easy to fall into. It can be one perceived slight, or it doesn't even have to be between you and another person. It can be uh, what we take in on a daily basis. You know, it's, it's easy to sit down in front of the TV and flip channels and while you're flipping channels, you may come across something and you'll be like, man, I really shouldn't watch that. But that's somehow where the remote kind of falls out of your hand somehow. And you take in shameful stuff that you ought not to take in. There's plenty of good stuff. There's plenty of good, uh, encouraging, uh, worthy uh, things to take in. 
Um, but there's even more that is not honorable. And that we, we should not entertain ourselves with those things. It says in verse 22, it says, Flee also youthful lusts. And of course there it's, uh, Timothy's a young man. And there's all sorts of things that he could be uh, passionate about and lust over. Um, certainly, uh, uh, sexual temptation may have been something that Timothy was struggling with. Um, but there's also plenty of other things that a young man can lust after. Uh, fame or uh, great riches um, or comfort and ease, right? There's plenty of things that someone can lust over and say, hey, this person has that. And I, as a youth, I, I'm young, energetic. I can get that for myself. And Paul says, no, no, no none of that. None of that is worth it. It may appear to be worth it, but that's the lie that the world would have you believe, is that anything else can be worth more than following after the Lord. And so he sets up in this verse 22, he says, if you go around your whole life, right, just trying to think, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, right? Close my ears, right? That's, that's no sort of a way to live. So what are we to do instead? We're, uh, if you look at the end of verse 22, we're to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Right? The best way to avoid sin is not by going, ah, not doing sin, not doing sin. No. The best way to avoid sin is to do something good. That's the best way. Because if I'm helping someone out, I have no opportunity to watch that TV show that I ought not be watching. I can't. I'm over here helping this person. You know, I'm uh, doing maintenance on the chapel. I'm visiting with uh, a dear saint, a dear brother or sister, um, and encouraging them. I'm going out to dinner with them because why not? It's better to go out to dinner with someone than to sit home and do nothing, right? It's better to encourage the saints, it's better to be about the Lord's work than to be doing those common, everyday, dishonorable things. And if you're looking for a list of good things to do, there's none better than demonstrating righteousness, than demonstrating faith and trust in the Lord, saying, here's what the Bible says, I believe that I should do it, and you go out and do it. That's faith. You know, too often we think of faith as like, oh, I believe God, I believe God, I believe God. No, faith is demonstrated by actions, as James tells us. So, it's quite a challenge listed just in this word demonstrating, demonstrating faith here. There's an infinite number of things that we can do to demonstrate our faith. To demonstrate Love towards the brethren. To demonstrate love towards those who are outside, who need to hear the gospel, who need to experience the love of God. Right? See, it's not what we do, it's how we do it. It's... When you take the time to... Um, I, I think back of... Um, when we did the, the homeless outreach a couple weeks ago, right? I saw saints 
from here at the chapel, sitting down with people that were living on the streets who would be very easy to say, you know what, I don't associate with those sort of people. I don't want to talk to them. Half of them are messed up in the brain through, you know, substance abuse or whatever else. And um, you might consider it worthless. But what I saw was the master using a bunch of golden goblets to extend a cup of cold water to those who need it most. That's awesome. That's being an implement for the master's use. And uh, remember when I mentioned earlier that the, that word vessel can also be uh, interpreted uh, uh, goods or, um, or an implement. Um, I think of in, in, a, in a household, if you want to honor guests, obviously you can serve them food, and that's one principal way of entertainment. Um, but if I'm going to have someone in my house that I want to keep, that I want to honor as a guest, it's going to take a lot more than a few serving dishes to honor. I'm going to need a bed. I'm going to need some warm blankets. You know, I'm going to need a, a spare room for them to stay in. Um, uh, maybe a nice shower, all, all that sort of stuff, right? To provide for the, for the comfort and ease of that guest. And so, um, lest you think, oh, oh I, I don't know if I'm a, a, a goblet or a, or a serving dish. Well, um, don't the saints need comfort, right? Just like, you ever, you ever wrapped up in a warm blanket right out of the dryer? I, I love, um, I've got a, a couple sets of flannel sheets. Run those through the dryer, and when they get out, I don't, I don't even put them on the bed first. I, I just wrap up in them until <laughs> they, till they cool off, right? Because it's flannel, and it's warm, and it's comforting, and there's just not a thing wrong in the world when you're wrapped up in that blanket, right? And I've, I've seen saints come alongside another saint who's, who's grieving, who's hurting, who's down. And man, that's like a warm blanket to that person. Oh, what a comfort. Right? But again, it's something useful that the master is using. And see, when you, when you see that person behaving with a blank, blanket, you might not see the hands of Jesus right behind lifting up and, and, and wrapping it around that other person. They're being used, you see, by the Master. So, what, whatever you've got that you can bring to the Lord, strive to bring it. Whatever implement you are, we're not all made the same. We all know that. But if you've got the gift of musical ability, right, Great, great houses may have a piano in them, right? That when you hear that piano and the person playing skillfully on it, you think, wow, this is great. Um, you may, a, house, a great house needs light. We need people to shine light and be lamps, right? And shining light into people's lives. Sh share the truth. Make their world a brighter place. Right? We all know what darkness and lies are like because we experience it all the time. But even the Lord himself uh, says, um, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Right? Shine forth brightly as a beacon of hope into people's lives. Say, look, I'm pointing you, the light that I have is not mine. It's reflected light from the Lord Jesus Christ. But I can still point it your direction and share it with you. Because it doesn't do any good to keep it to myself and to hide it under a bushel, 
right? A candle that enjoys its own light is a wasted candle. But one that's set up on a candle stand, it says, gives light to the whole house. That's the sort of person we're supposed to be. And above all, the challenge um, at the end, it says, it's to those, um, or sorry, with those, that's important, with, we're supposed to pursue these things with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. See, it's not just a solitary effort. Our own, um, we use this big word, sanctification. A lot of people here know what it means, right? That, that part uh, of being set apart for good works. And the whole idea is you're set apart from something else, something dis- dishonorable or some other uh, lesser use to the master's use. We're set apart from sin to holiness. And we're supposed to pursue all of these things with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. See, what's more noble than someone whose heart is pure and saying, I'm following the Lord because He's the Lord. Not, I'm following the Lord because I want to be recognized. That's not a pure heart. I'm following the Lord because I love Him and I want to follow Him. Right, And we, we saw, we just studied through the, the Matthew class, and it says, blessed are the pure in heart. Why? For they shall see God. So gather in your endeavors, whatever it is, to demonstrate these things. Gather with you folks that are like-minded, that are also pure in heart. Because it's, you're far more effective, right, in teams, uh, as, as groups, right? No man is an island. Get together with other believers. And I'm sure that Timothy had his own dear friends in the church that he was laboring in. Brothers that would build him up. Brothers that would say, you know, Timothy, I see you as someone we need in this church. Keep doing what you're doing. We need you. And again, I, w- I want to remind you that it's not, it's not what we're doing, whether we're taking out the garbage or preaching or uh, being a father or a mother um, or witnessing to coworkers. It's all part of the master's use. That's the plan. The whole point is, is that we're able to be used by the masters. So don't, don't think that, uh, again, don't think that we're saying an honorable vessel is only the vessel that gets the most recognition. Absolutely not. There have been uh, fantastic implements that the Lord has used in majestic ways that have not received a whole lot of recognition. Right? And Don would probably uh, share with us again the story of the, the man on George Street, right? That who handed out uh, tracts every day for years and years and years and didn't really see... Uh, really much fruit come of his ministry at all and certainly wasn't recognized by his local church or anything like that. But then uh, many years after he began his ministry, of course, there was a a Christian conference halfway around the world from where he was. He was in Australia and I believe the conference was in in England. And uh, someone says, yeah, I was... um, Someone handed me a track. I was in Australia someplace and someone else at the conference was like, was it on George Street? And he's like, yeah. 
And person after person after person, half a world away, had all met this man. Right? It's an amazing story of a man who didn't see, uh, probably in his lifetime, much recognition or reward for his work that he did for the gospel. But boy, there was a crowd waiting in heaven for him when he got there. That's the sort of vessel that I want to be. And so that's, that's the, ch- the choice that we have before us, brothers and sisters. Who do you want to be? How do you want to be used? It's up to you in deciding, are you going to entertain sin in your life? Or are you going to say, I, I fight against those things so that when the Lord Jesus calls on me, I'll be ready to serve him. Whatever he wants. Whatever he, the master sees fit for me to be used as, that's what I want. But I'm going to do my best to prepare myself to be a gold or silver vessel that's ready for his service, ready to be a vessel of honor. And so that's the challenge that Paul gives to Timothy, and that's the challenge that's before us today. Make yourself ready for the master's use. The Lord doesn't forget about any of the things in his household. No one's forgotten. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us, for redeeming us, for sanctifying us, for your use. And Lord, we pray that we would take up the challenge of this verse and not be led aside by sin, not to be satisfied uh, with common, uh, being a common thing, Lord, but we want to be vessels uh, to honor you, Lord, that bring you recognition. Lord, not for our own recognition, but for yours. Lord, ready for your use. Lord, help us uh, to resist temptation, to fight against sin, to uh, encourage one another and bear one another's burdens. Lord, we pray that this church would be full of honorable vessels for you. Lord Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.